0: Well, good morning, church. I'm so excited to be with you today as it is the last Sunday um, that we have different speakers until Pastor John comes back. I know it's been a bittersweet season of Sabbath for him. Um, You all know that a few weeks ago he had a pretty bad fall, and um, so his Sabbath time has been, you know, uh, doctor's appointments and surgeries and physical therapy, but praise God there's so much to be thankful for in the midst of all of it. Like, praise God, it's not worse. Praise the Lord um, that he actually had a bunch of speakers lined up um, so that he could actually take time to rest and recover. And so we just see the Lord's hand on this season. And thank you for your continued prayers. But as we jump in to the word today, I just want to talk to you about comparison and um, just how ugly and unnecessary it can be. And I know that as we've had all the different speakers each week, it's just only human nature to say like, wow, he's a way better speaker than so-and-so, or I really miss pastor whoever. Um, It's easy to look at different people's giftings and compare them. It's easier to look at ourselves and compare ourselves um, to others. It's Comparison is something that we all do. Maybe we don't want to admit it, but we're all human, and it's so easy to just to go there. I remember um, back when I was like in my, I think like I was like 19, 20 years old, and I was doing triathlons, and I was training really hard. And um, I think me and my brother, we went out together to do this this one particular triathlon, and I got to the triathlon and i was amazed like i got out of the car and i saw like these women like who looked like like female terminators like they had like like the perfect chiseled abs and legs and buff arms and you know they had their hair all sleeked back in like a French braid and, and they're wearing this like two-piece they had got this like you know $4,000 bike um, and I'm like oh my gosh I was so <laughs> intimidated like as I'm walking around with my one piece like oh my gosh I let me tell you something I've never um, ever been skinny um, I've, I've been fit but I've never been skinny but I, I will tell you that on that day at that race, I was so self-conscious about the way that I looked. I never felt more overweight in my life, even though I had trained really hard to be there. And so as we're getting ready to start the race, I'm like, you know, kind of covering up and just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) Um, and anyways, I remember being the first person, not even the first female, but the first person out of the water and um, onto the bike. So you do the swim then you go do the bike and then you do the run. Um, I ended up finishing first female overall. And I was just kind of laughing like here I am looking at all these women and uh, comparing myself and like worried about my race when that is not the way that God has designed my body. That is, I mean, I wish I looked like that. I wish I looked like I ran a hundred miles every day, but I, I don't anyway. I did so great and I was like kicking myself at the end of the race thinking like what the heck I was so intimidated I psyched myself out and I did really well I should have just how much better would have I done had I just gone out there and run the race I was supposed to run and I think that's the problem with comparison when we look at others and we compare our gifts and our blessings um, against their gifts and their blessings and their bodies and their abilities it really fouls us up Um, it reminds me um, that when we compare ourselves and we get that like we're supposed to be doing this, the Lord's called us to do this and we do that sideways glance and the, pff, we get the wind knocked out of us. Anytime that we're on like a race course or like a field, uh, we always want to keep our eyes on our path and what we should be doing because when we take sideways glances, we get knocked out. Let's take a look at this video.
1: What Läuferin der 90er bezeichnet und dann war sie noch ganz unter dem Eindruck dieses Rennens offenbar, als sie die Anlaufbahn von Kofi Moabra im Weitsprung kreuzte. Ja, da schreit man, Pass auf, aber sie weiß nicht, wohin sie hingucken soll. Oh, das sah bös aus. Kofia Moabra am Anlauf zu seinem vierten Versuch, aber ich kann Sie beruhigen, liebe Zuschauer, beide Sind wohl auf.
0: Those sideways glances will literally cost you the race. It will knock you out. And I believe that those sideways glances... They happen every day where we kind of glance to the left, glance to the right. What are they doing? What do they have? How are they? Um, It's in our everyday. And they happen in the form of when we compare ourselves, when we compare our lives, when we compare our opportunities. Um, It knocks, it doesn't knock the wind out of us. What it does is it knocks the gratitude out of us. And that's what we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about a parable that Jesus told, a story that he shared with his disciples. Uh, Roosevelt said that comparison is a thief to joy. But you know, Jesus talks about this in the Bible, and that's where we're going to jump into our text today. The story starts in Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarii for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, You also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went on again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Okay, so here's just a few observations of the text and where we're at. So you have a few different crews and they're all working the same vineyard with the same landowner. You have the 6 a.m. group, you have the 9 a.m. group, you have the 3 p.m. group and the 12 p.m., I'm sorry you have the 5 p.m. group Um, so you have those few different groups and they're working a 12-hour workday now these workers would have been considered day workers meaning that whatever work was done for that day they got payment at the end of the day and that payment meant that their families and their wives had food and something to drink for that night so this type of work was really needed and um, and it was an extreme blessing to find work like that because you saw those men standing around at nine and 12 and three and five. Those men had not found work. And the landowner said, hey, why don't you come and and work? And so all this is where we're at this point in the story. All of these workers are satisfied. They have been satisfied and blessed with a job for that day, knowing that that night their families will go to sleep with their bellies full. And they are all better off at the end of the workday when they started. So when they left their house that morning, um, they're actually going to go home from a better place. They left their house in uncertainty. I hope I find some work today. I hope the Lord provides something for me. And they know now they have the satisfaction of a good day's hard work and they get to go home, not empty handed to their family. And this is where the story continues. So let's continue to read. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and then going on to the first. (laughs) Well, that's pretty specific. The workers were hired about five in the afternoon, came and each one received a denarii. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarii, and when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne and burdened of the work and heat of the day. So we can see here that the 6 a.m. group getting paid last means that they got a chance them getting paid last means they got a chance to see what everybody else got paid and they as the line as the the landowner is going through the line the people who got there first and that are getting paid last are probably delighted not because of the generosity that was given to those who worked less but to but that they presumed that they would be paid more and then when the 6 a.m. get group gets paid the same amount Ooh. Okay. I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to say, what if Jesus told the story different? Or what if you flip it? What if you said, okay, it's the end of the day and let's pay the 6 a.m. workers first. And then we'll pay the 5 a.m. workers last. The, the 6 a.m. workers had been paid first. They would have left satisfied and content because it's what they agreed on. They would have been happy for a day's fair pay and wages. But the 6 a.m. group is furious with something that would have otherwise satisfied them. And that's what comparison does. It provokes us to overestimate what we need and underestimate what we already have. Here's a test because the thing is, it's so easy to talk about comparison, but Um, It's something that we all do and it's something that happens not among um, enemies so much, but among friends, among brothers, among sisters. And so here's a test. One of the greatest tests of our hearts is to decide to be genuinely happy for others when things go well for them without wondering, oh, what the heck? How come it's not going well for me? And if we're really honest and we take a inventory of our heart we know that we've probably all been there at one point and I, I feel like the rise of social media is like no help to adding to this we see we get to see the best part of people's lives the edited part of people's lives you get to see the beauty and the the outcome you know a perfect beautiful meal and you see that you know all you know positioned on a plate but you don't you don't see the mess and all the the hassle it took to make it. You don't even know if it tastes good. Uh, you get to see like a romantic date night, not realizing that there was a pretty gnarly fight on the way to date night. Um, but but Instagram, social media, Facebook, whatever, it really can lead to depression. There has been studies um, that prove this. For this fact, it's so easy to glare and glance in the mundaneness of your life and compare it to the best moments of others. And I would just challenge you today as we're talking about comparison uh, to put a guard around that, to put a fence or a perimeter around your heart. Some, some of my friends, some of my best friends are like, I'm never on it, or I've deleted my account. Like I just, I just can't go there. Um, and I understand, I get it. And I think it's good to realize it's a great way to stay connected with our friends, but it's also a great place to just kind of fall into that comparison trap. Um, but imagine if there were social media back then, you know, like the, the group that got started work at 5am, they're like so happy. They got like their hundred dollar bills and they're like taking a selfie. Um, and I can just, for me, when I read this story for sure, I feel that 6 a.m. group, like I, I identify with that, like, oh, that would, that would rub me the wrong way um, if, if the people who only worked an hour got paid the same amount. Um, so it does not seem fair to me. It seems a little unfair. And those who worked the longest made their case for justice, for their perceived um, justice. And that is the thing about grace and I hope you hear this this morning, that grace is always unfair. That you did not earn it, you did not deserve it. We never earn or deserve God's grace. And it always seems unfair when we're not the recipient of it. And our brother, our sister, or our friends, or someone else is. It seems unfair. But that's the beauty of grace. It is unfair. We hear the rest of the story. Let's jump in and check it out. Matthew 20, picking up verse 13. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend didn't you agree to work for a denarii take your pay and go i want to give the one who was hired last the same as i gave you don't i have the right to do what i want with my own money or are you envious because i am generous so the last will be first and the first will be last when you ignore god's goodness You tend to resent it in others. There's a great theologian, D.A. Carson. He talks about the danger of constant comparison and complaining, the danger it is to the health of our souls. And he says this, Persistent negativism is spiritually perilous. The person who makes it his life's ambition to discover all the things that are wrong is exposing himself to spiritual destruction. Thankfulness to God, both for good things and for his sovereign protection and purpose, even in bad things, will be the first virtue to go. It will be quickly followed by humility as the critic, deeply knowledgeable about the faults and fallacies, especially of those of others. Come to feel superior of those who he criticizes, spiritual one-upmanship is not a Christian virtue Sustained negativism is highly calorific nourishment for pride. You see, the thing about this parable is it affirms grace. It affirms amazing grace and it rejects presuming grace, a calculated grace, a comparing grace. If grace can be calculated, it is no longer grace. And I believe that you'll find what you're looking for. In life you're going to find what you are looking for it's like the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird a vulture wakes up every morning starting his day looking for death and finds it while a hummingbird wakes up and longs for that sweet nectar and and by the end of the day, the hummingbird will find it. And it's just like that. In our darkest, worst moments, there is always a reason to be thankful for. There is always a reason to praise. And just like in our dark moments, there's a reason to see good, to, to believe in the Lord and to trust Him, in our bright moments... In our brightest, most happy moments, there's always something to, yeah, but it would have been better if this, yeah, it was cool, but I think there's always something to try to find and gripe. And do we, we will, as a people, we will find what we are looking for and we need to make the choice. Are we going to trust God and praise him or are we going to find reasons to compare and complain and wish that we had more? Um, There is no winning Uh, When we compare, it leads to pride or it can lead to discouragement. When we compare ourselves to others, we think like, yeah, like, well, at least I got to church on time. They're always late. And and I, I actually do this and I do that. And I'm working this many hours. And, and then we start to puff up ourselves and our pride and we feel better about who we are because we're comparing, or we might compare and be like, wow, they have, they're just so awesome. And man, I wish I had their gifting. I wish I wish I could, you know, play the guitar like that. I wish, man, I'm not. And then we start to feel discouraged and down and we get distracted from what God has called us to do. And that is the thing, that we all have special graces from the Lord, that the Lord created you uniquely and beautifully. He gave you your mind, your body, the the gifts and the talents that you have to bring Him glory. And He has a path and a plan for your life. And um, we cannot compare our lives to others. I want us to watch that video one more time. I want to point something out
1: als die dominierende Läuferin der 90er bezeichnete. und dann war sie noch ganz unter dem Eindruck dieses Rennens offenbar als sie die Anlaufbahn von Kofi Amor Prime weitsprung kreuzte. Ja, da schreit man. Pass auf, aber sie weiß nicht, wohin sie hingucken soll. Oh! Das sah bös aus. Kofi Amor Brand am Anlauf zu seinem vierten Versuch, aber ich kann sie beruhigen, liebe Zuschauer, beide sind wohl auf.
0: I believe that when we compare ourselves to others, yes, it hurts us. It definitely hurts us and it damages us spiritually. Uh, but when we compare to other ourselves to others, I believe it also hurts other people. That when we compare, man, we can knock other people out of the race. We can lose friendships because we're competitive or we compare or we put ourselves above. Or we're like, oh, you're so awesome. And we put people on these pedestals that they don't. You know, deserve to be on. Only God deserves to be on. And so when we compare, we have, it not only hurts us, but it hurts other people. Um, 1 Corinthians 7 17 says this, it's actually titled, Live as You Were Called. Um, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. God has appointed you to be in this season. In This place in this time where you are at and he's got an assignment for you and he knows the season that you're in He knows whether you're married or you're single um, Maybe you're a student or a new mom or you have a new job Maybe you move to a new place. God has brought you and has um, And has something for you to do and you cannot look to the right or to the left or other people's giftings um, But you need to focus on your race and what the Lord has for you. Second Corinthians 10:12 uh, says, he who compares himself is unwise. See, the thing about comparison is that it's a doorway to envy. And envy is a sin among brothers. See, we don't look at other people who are like way higher than us, like, I don't envy the president, like the president is the president. Um, but I might look at like other worship leaders and maybe like, ooh, like, wow, I wish I had or I, at least I don't. You know, we, uh, envy is a sin among brothers. Envy is a sin among sisters. Just look at Cain and Abel. That was like the, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Cain and Abel brothers is, you know, envy led to murder it's so much easier um, when my brother is down. Like, oh man, I, like I prayed for my brother. I love my brother. I'm, I'm hoping and believing the best for him. Like he's going through a hard time right now, and and we just gotta like lift him up in prayer. And man, we're just, you know, we, we go to battle. We've got our brothers back. Like man, we'll like, you know, like if you have, I have a brother, so I know how it is. Like don't mess with my brother, right? Um, especially me, big sister. Um, but you, you love your brothers. You love your sisters and you would do anything for them until your brother gets blessed. All of a sudden, the Lord has answered your prayers for your brother and your brother's being blessed. And you're like, what? <laughs> um, and I, I mean, maybe it's just me, uh, but I believe that if we're truly honest and we take inventory of our hearts and we just say like, Lord, examine me if our brothers get promoted, if our brothers get recognition, if they get placed over us, then that envy can creep in. Envy is described as distress over another's success. Um, This pastor, Bob Sorge, says envy is the number one problem that nobody has. See, the thing is nobody wants to admit that there's envy in their hearts. Or I should say, our hearts because I believe it's all of us. one, we don't want to admit it because admitting it would mean it would be saying that we are not established in our identity in Christ. It would mean two, I'm um, confessing ungrateful I'm that I'm ungrateful for the things that God has done for me. Okay number three, when we are when we admit we're envious, we are admitting that we compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters and four. Uh, When we admit we're envious, we are confessing that we function in a spirit of competition in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. When you feel envy creeping up, because it is a temptation that we all experience, that we as humans feel and understand and can relate to this story. We all relate to that 6 a.m. worker. When we feel envious repent quickly. Repent quickly. If The moment you feel it in your heart, repent of that. Lord, I bless my brother. Thank you for the grace that my brother has received. I pray your blessing on him. I pray that you would pour it out even more. Be quick to repent so that bitterness won't overtake your heart. Um, one of my sons kind of a similar story. Uh, My son Judah had worked really hard. He had helped a neighbor in the yard and he did all this work and worked throughout the day. And he was like so proud of himself. The neighbor had very kind words to say. And at the end of the day, he had given Judah $15 and Judah was so excited. Like it was a Saturday. uh, We don't really have much going on on Saturday. And so Judah earned $15. I think he was probably like 10 at the time. And so, you know, it was like celebration, like let's go buy Slurpees or something. But anyways, the next day, it was a Sunday. We were at church. And while we're at church, another one of the neighbor kids went over to the house and continued to do the work that still needed to get done. And that neighbor kid Uh, Came over and it was like ha I worked for that uncle too and I did, you know I finished the yard and look I got 20 bucks and and Judah was like "What?" (laughs) And I again I get it I understand me as an adult thinking like okay The neighbor probably only had a 20 so he's not gonna like, you know just gave the kid 20 or maybe that kid needed it more Maybe that neighbor saw something in the kid and felt like he had to be more generous. I you know, but at the end of the day, it's just five dollars. It's not the end of the world. But I mean for Judah, it was like, oh my gosh, it was like a blow to him. And I remember taking him by the face and just saying, Son, you are not going without that you were so blessed yesterday and excited to have $15. And we got to, you know, you got to slurpee. You got to buy your brother candy. Yeah, but I and you, son, stop. You know, being the adult, and we can see, again, just $15, but to him it was everything. And I believe that sometimes the Lord looks at us that way, like, son, daughter, stop. Um, Right before Jesus tells this story of grace, a story of generosity, this is what happens. It's the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, I've done it all. And Jesus says, okay, well, what have you done? I've obeyed all of the commandments. I've loved my neighbor as myself. I've done, I've obeyed everything. What must I do to follow you and to enter into eternal life? And Jesus tells him, go home, sell all of your possessions and follow me. And then the Bible says he left very sad because he was very wealthy. Now the disciples had witnessed this. They had seen this. And so Peter asks in Matthew 19, this is what Peter says. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left their houses or their brothers or their sisters or their father or the mother or the wife or the children or the fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first you see this parable this story is a response to Peter's question like Lord like okay this guy's rich and you told him to follow he's got to sell all this but we did all that we sold we left everything our security our jobs our families to follow you what what of us And Jesus says, yours is the kingdom. You're going to be with me in heaven. Oh, child, don't look to the right or to the left. And then he tells this beautiful story of God's grace. Um, We've examined the workers, the different wages, but let's talk a little bit about the landowner in the story. His is a heart of compassion, for the people who came late, they need to feed their families. They've gone for a whole day, not knowing what they're going to do. And this story is about a very gracious and generous God. His grace has nothing to do with the amount of time um, that we have served or people have served him. His grace has nothing to do with the amount And his grace is the same for me and for you, just as it was for the thief on the cross that died with him that day and said, Jesus, remember me. And he said, you will be with me today in paradise. God's grace is available for the latecomer. And that does not diminish the grace and the generosity That is given to those who have been working and following all day i believe that god would take you by the face and say don't worry don't compare in light of eternity the things that you think that you don't have or the things that you think you should have like i've been so gracious i've held back things and i've given you my son and this is the grace of a good father for you today focus in on your race and what he's called you to do and finally I'm going to close with this that the antidote to envy the antidote to comparison is gratitude you see when the enemy comes at you and lies to you when you see your brother or your sister or your fellow believer in Christ being blessed being promoted, receiving things, uh, you know, that you aren't. When the enemy comes to you and lies to you and says, God didn't give you enough. God hasn't given you enough. That you would refuse to participate in the lives of the enemy. That you would turn that around and begin to give God praise. That you would say, God, you are so very good. You are so very kind. You are not a stingy God, but you are a generous God. You are a faithful God. You are a trustworthy God. My life is in your hands. You have given me every spiritual blessing and that I can trust you with my life. And this is what we do when we are tempted with comparison or envy that we turn it to gratitude and praise to Jesus he is worthy to be praised what a gracious God and as we close off I just want to invite you again we've talked about our hearts and really kind of real and honest and raw. And I I pray that you would examine your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to do some work Are there areas in your life, in your heart, where you feel like, man, I have been comparing. I have been, you know, looking to the right and to the left. I've been, you know, feeling bad about my gifts or my calling or my position because I see, you know, how great everybody else is. And I just feel maybe we've, we're getting under like discouragement um, or maybe Maybe we've been puffed up with pride. Maybe we think we're better than everybody else. Would you ask the Lord this morning, like, Lord, in what areas do I need to focus in on what you've called me to do? I love asking this too. When you look at your life and when you see where you're at, whether you're in a hard season or a good season, whether you see somebody else being blessed, Look at your life and say, man, where I started and where the Lord has taken me and what he has blessed me with to this point is more than gracious and more than enough. Continue to look at your life and remember the goodness and the blessings of God.